Uh, you know what? I'm just I, I, so heated because of what, what you're telling me, because I, I do not want to live in a world, <laughs> in a world where a craft dinner is the fucking substitute to a good macaroni. You're putting powder. No, no, no. Mac- macaroni, as you call it, is a substitute for KD. God. <laughs> oh my God. Go to. Go to Italy. If you ask, open some fucking no, 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 no. If you ask any Canadian, would they rather have macaroni or KD? They will tell you KD is the best. It is superior. It is the fucking national treasure, and it is the greatest dish in Canada. I'm Mason Dixon, a Habs fan stuck in Leafs country. With my co-host, Corey, a southern beauty trapped deep in the bayous of Louisiana. With over 2,500 kilometers of separation, we've still managed to come together to give you Habs Nightly, your hub for Habs content. While I don't know what a kilometer is, I do know Habs hockey. Don't let the 10-year age gap or distance fool you. We bleed Blue Blanc Aries, and we're known to serve up hot takes along with our unique charm. Join us every Monday and Thursday for Hockey Talk, Ref Rage, and your daily dose of Southern ignorance. Only on the Hockey Podcast Network. Katie is the superior macaroni and cheese. Get the fuck out of here. You put um, ketchup on your fucking macaroni, you nasty kid? Yes, I fucking do. This has been Habs Nightly. You guys have a great night. You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk covering every team in the NHL. New episodes every Monday. Download at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to the Kane Strain Podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network. Did you enjoy the Super Bowl? Hope so. Can't tell you who won because I'm recording this before it happened. But I do know what happened, and that's that DraftKings gave away a bunch of money. Because that is for sure. I can guarantee that. Let me tell you about DraftKings, alright? Let me tell you. Two of the sport's most respected fighters stepped back into the octagon this weekend to compete for the welterweight title. DraftKings, the official daily fantasy partner of UFC, is giving you a shot at huge cash prizes. For this weekend's fight, DraftKings is offering new players a shot at millions of dollars in total prizes, okay? So if you are a new player, or would like to be, which I suggest you should, a shot at millions of dollars in prizes! What? Where else can you go in life where they'll be like, hey, million dollars? Doesn't happen, right? If you haven't tried it yet, Fantasy MMA is easy to play. Just pick six fighters, stay under the salary cap, pile up points for advances, takedowns, and more. There's no better way to put your MMA knowledge to the test than to compete for a shot at millions of dollars in total prizes. Ain't that the truth? Plus, don't forget about basketball and hockey where DraftKings has even more money up for grabs 
this weekend. Games happening this weekend. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable, so you can deposit and withdraw your funds at your convenience. That's big because a lot of these sites where you know putting money in, trying to get money out, uh, they're like, oh, just kidding, you gotta have $500 in here. And you're like, I gotta pay you $500 so I can get my fucking $12 that I won? Come on now. That's not what DraftKings is about. Uh, DraftKings makes it easy to deposit and withdraw your funds at your own convenience. Um, you know, if you're a hockey fan, which I'm assuming you are when you listen to this, fantasy hockey on there as well. It's it's really cool the way you can do it. Pick your players uh, and compete to win some cash. So download the DraftKings app now and use promo code THPN to get a shot at millions of dollars in prizes throughout the week. That's promo code THPN to get a shot at millions of dollars in total prizes only at DraftKings. Minimum $5 deposit. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Thanks, DraftKings. Um, well, big uh, big week in the sports world, I guess. Uh, Super Bowl happened, and like I just mentioned, haven't watched it yet. Uh, it's happening in a couple hours as I record this. By the end of the show, though, I'll know what happened. Uh, but that doesn't matter, dude. You know what I don't care about that much? The Super Bowl. All right? I just don't, you know? I don't know what it is. I used to be a bigger football fan than I am now, and dude, my problem with football is it's too fucking slow. How do you take like a sport that has so much action and make it literally slower than soccer? I mean, ninety percent of the game, if you're watching, if you're watching on TV or live, and let me get to live because I think football is honestly the worst fucking sport to watch live. I think it's better to watch on TV. Uh, and I'll, I'll, I'll explain why, but it's just too slow. First of all, it's like four hours long, which is too fucking long. I mean, it's not, it's, it's like between three and four, but that's a long fucking time. You know, I don't want to spend that much time watching a sport. Like I love hockey. Some hockey games get too long and it depends on how up and down it is. But like football has so many stoppages. I mean, you get a 40 second play clock, right? They snap it every time with one or two seconds left. Every time. They're using that whole clock unless they're in a hurry up, which is not often. They're snapping it every time with one second left. That means that 39 seconds continuously go by for like a four second play. So that means that like 80% of what you're watching is nothing. You're watching nothing. It's just not that interesting. Uh, you know, the, the gameplay itself is, is interesting, but like, oh, it's just so, it's too slow for me. I get fucking bored. And... I get bored of the same stupid shit. Like, they're just, I don't know. I, I, I'm i not a huge fan of, like, football culture. Like, I always thought that growing up, like, uh, I don't know. I'm probably offending people that play football. Like, it's cool. I also know tons of football players that are really great people and cool dudes. Um, but, like, just the, the fucking bravado. Like, the, oh, I'm the shit. Oh, I play football. Like, dude, you fucking hit people, all right? It's not that complicated. It really isn't. Like, all the strategy to football, dude, I've never played football before. I could tell you a lot of strategy about it. Never played once. Competitively. Obviously, I've fucking, you know, played football, like, pick up football with friends and shit. Or at school and whatnot. But not ever competitively. Because it wasn't that interesting to me. Also, I was small as shit. So guess who would have died? Me. Alright? Um, like, I would never be able to tell you all the ins and outs of hockey strategy having not played before. Or I would have to watch for, like, 40 years. <laughs> like, it would take a while to really, really get down to it. Um, but football is just, like, it's not that complicated, dude. It's really not. I guess I just need more of, like, a a, a challenge with the strategies and stuff. It's mostly, it's most, mostly athleticism, which is great. 
But fucking, you know what else is like that? Track and field. You know what's not interesting to me? Track and field. Sorry. <laughs> I just don't think it's that entertaining to watch. I have immense respect for those people. I mean, it's insane, their abilities and whatnot. I have so much respect. I could never do it, and they're insanely talented. But I don't know. I like sports more where there's more learned skill. Like in football, you could definitely find just an insanely athletic guy that's never played football before, and he could play professionally. I'm not saying he would be a star or anything, but like he could, and you know that's true. You hear stories of guys that never played football until they got to college, and the coach is like, hey, man, you're, you should play football. And he's like, all right. And then he turns out being a, you know, a good player. You could never do that in, in, a, in a lot of other sports. Like, there's just too many learned skills. Football is like, can you run? I mean, everyone can, right? <laughs> everyone knows how to move their legs. It's not like hockey where you have to learn an entirely new way to move around. That's insane. Um, and then like, I don't know, catching, I guess, but like most people can just catch again. I'm not saying like to the level of a fucking pro wide receiver. Of course, I'm not stupid, but like catching is not something you had to learn to just do entirely. You just had to learn to get better at it. Throwing same thing. Like everyone understands the mechanics of throwing in general. You just have to get way better at it. (laughs) Like it's still a skill, but it's mostly athleticism, which is cool, but that just doesn't interest me as much. I like I like skill skill, not like natural skill. Like natural skill is cool and I can respect it, but when that's most of the sport, uh, it just isn't as it isn't as interesting to me. Like if you're if you're the best player because you're just faster, like your legs can move faster than everyone else, that just doesn't interest me as much, you know? That's awesome. Like I think that's hype that you're the, you're that fast, but like I, I don't know. Everyone can run. You can just run faster than everyone else. That's cool. I don't know. Like, do you think Connor McDavid can just flat out run faster than most human beings? Definitely not. 100% no. But he's the, I mean, arguably the best skater in the world. So, hockey-wise at least. I'm sure there are many, like, figure skaters and stuff like that that are probably way better. Um, But hey, whatever. We're not here to talk about that. I'm just trying to let you know. I don't really care that much about football. I definitely don't give a shit about most of the Super Bowl. Like, if the game's good, cool. But that's what I'm focused on. If you're someone who's like, I'll watch it for the commercials, hate it. They're bad. Hey, you, every commercial is bad. Every commercial. I don't care how much money you spend on a commercial. Corporate shit, corporate videos and stuff, with all the limitations, they're bad, dude. It can't, oh, you're trying to make a funny, you're trying to make a funny commercial that is politically correct enough for a major corporation that's not funny that's like dad humor i so if you think that your dad is hilarious your 57 year old dad is like ah, hang on hang on i got one for you all right uh you know the other day this guy comes up to me and says, if you think that's funny then you think commercials are funny but if you have ascended <laughs> with your sense of humor then it's just not that funny i mean you might be like huh but it's definitely not funny, funny. Because it can't be. Like, it can't be. Corporations aren't funny, dude. No one in a corporation's funny. If they were, they wouldn't be in a corporation. Because you can't be funny in a corporation. You have to be so, so censored that, like, it can't be funny, you know? I'm not saying that none of them are. I definitely have gotten, like, a kick out of some of them. But the gimmick of, like, oh, it's most of them are horrible. Horrible. Most commercials in general are horrible. 
and most of these are just overproduced horrible commercials. Like I don't I don't I don't get it, you know? I guess it's not for me, but I really don't get it. I don't get it at all. Anyway, moving on from that. Um let's talk about that game against Chicago that the Hurricanes played. Um you know, I talked about the first game against Chicago Chicago with Alec Campbell. You know what? Actually, before I get into that, I found this, guys and girls. This is old, and I can't believe it. Like, um, you know, I, I didn't see it when it happened. I think it's a few years old, but I saw someone put it in a tweet. Is a video, a news video of this guy trying to talk about a Mexican city. Just listen. You've probably heard this before. Our top story tonight, the caravan of mostly Central American immigrants is now in the Mexican city of Huachula. <laughs> What? One more time. Our top story tonight. The caravan of mostly Central American immigrants is now in the Mexican city of Huachula. And if you're wondering, I wonder if Zach pulled that city as a drop. Huachula. You fucking bet your ass I did. Huachula. And if you, if, and if you're wondering if I'm going to use Huachula. literally all the time for no reason whatsoever. Yeah, baby. Huachula. Huachula. Dude, it's too funny. What is he saying? What is he saying? Dude, he literally had an aneurysm in the middle of that. So I, me saying Chicago instead of Chicago reminded me of. Um, so the Hurricanes game on, what was it, Thursday night against against the Blackhawks. Because um, that's basically what I said right there. Uh, wasn't great. And look, I don't... I, I'm going to chalk it up to, I don't think the Hurricanes have looked good since the uh, players have returned from COVID protocol, um, because I think that there's a few reasons, and it doesn't all have to do with those guys. I don't think really anyone, I think Warren Fogle has maybe looked the best out of everyone who's come back, just getting back to his game and what he does. I don't think there was really much of a uh, a lag for him. Like I think that that first game back, he played pretty well. He made some Warren Fogle mistakes, but he also made some really great Warren Fogle plays, and he scored a goal. Um, so I think he's been pretty good as far as what you can expect from Warren Fogle. Uh, Tavo Teravainen, it's all, it's harder to get back to Tavo Teravainen's game than it is to Warren Fogle's game because the ceiling is way higher. Uh, I think you'll just see him get better and better. But let me say this again. I said this last episode, it's an illness. And one of the major, uh, symptoms of the illness is fatigue. So whether or not these guys felt sick, I can guarantee you there are some level of lingering effects that take longer than just the day you're you test negative to get back to 100%. So, and also like they couldn't actually, they could, it wasn't like they could even exercise or be around the team facility to take advantage of all that stuff. And for a pro that has to keep their body in that good of shape to keep up with all this stuff. And, and for that level of level of performance, I just definitely had another moment right there. Um, but yeah, for, for those guys to, not be able to just have their same routine like that definitely is difficult for sure um so i think that that i think that that will get better but i don't think that they've been great with that and i think that once again i said this before the season started i think the hurricanes play good teams with great structure structurally and it works and they compete and they're dangerous like they played against tampa bay i thought they played well against tampa i thought they played pretty well against dallas really good in the first game it was pretty even, I thought, in the second game. Um, I mean, they won a shootout, so can't get much more even than that, right? I think the Hurricanes 
dominated for portions. I think that Dallas dominated for portions, and I think that it went kind of back and forth a little bit, uh, and it was fairly even. Uh, against Detroit, I didn't think the Hurricanes were that great. I thought they were much better in Game 1, but I didn't think they played as well as they did against these other teams. Against Nashville, um, a kind of middle-of-the-road team, I thought that they had a better but not top-notch performance. So, like, a mil- you know what I mean? But I think that in general, like, Nashville has structure to their to their play. Detroit does not really. Chicago doesn't really either because um, they just don't have the pieces. So I think that the Hurricanes tend to play those Chicagos and Detroits and play, like, lose their structure and play more of that up-and-down game where they just tend to give away a lot of chances. I mean, if you're letting five goals in in a game, you shouldn't win. You shouldn't win. If you can outscore them, good for you, but, like, it's not a recipe for success. It's If you're letting five goals in, you are playing insanely loose. It's just bad. Like, you shouldn't play that way regardless of if you can score 20 goals a game. You shouldn't be playing that way. You're not going to consistently win. And I've talked about that a million times. But I did not like that performance at all. Um, I think that all the COVID guys, except for um, Fogel, have been rough. Just getting back to it. I mean, uh, you know, of course, though. Like, that's no knock on them. I just think that's a difficult transition. We can't expect them to be uh, themselves just yet. But I think that they'll get back into it. They've had a couple days rest now where they can be um, skating and kind of maybe get back into as close of a routine as you can possibly have in a season like this. So I hope to see better from them. Um, You know, I might be talking about this all prematurely because in the game that I'll comment on a little later in this episode that happens on Sunday against Columbus, maybe all those guys, maybe Tibbo Teravainen had like 26 points. I don't know. Uh, you know, so you're like, what are you talking about? They haven't been good. They were all amazing. I, hopefully, but I don't know yet. So I'm just talking about that Chicago game. I thought that they, you know, linger. It was the same. It was a similar performance to the first game. Uh, they just gave up more chances, I thought. And there it was. Um, I think a lot of people had complaints about the trip. Tracy included had had some stuff to say about that Patrick Kane goal. I mean, look, I think that's. I think it's annoying that that is a goal, but by the rules, like it's a goal. If they were going to call, if they weren't going to call any, it's, it's bullshit that Svech got uh, uh, goalie interference called on him multiple times now in his career, his short career uh, for the drive to the net, you know, make some level of contact with the goalie when you're trying to score a goal. I mean, that's stupid. That's why I'm saying that's a ridiculous precedent to set because look, Patrick Kane just did it. They didn't call a penalty. And I'm not complaining about that part. They shouldn't call a penalty. Two rights don't make a wrong. Like, don't correct to the wrong thing and now start calling the wrong thing. Like, no, you just need to fix what you're calling on Svetch. I have no problem with what Patrick Kane did. I honestly think he uh, he just beat Jacob Slavin. I think that Jacob Slavin, um, you know, again, one of those guys that hasn't been completely himself. He's gotten better, I think. Um, I think his feet are, aren't quite there, though. Like, his, his skating ability is really, really good. I think that Kane just beat him right there. I think that Kane also has so many weapons that when you're Jacob Slavin, you have to be looking. He, you could tell he was looking for that cut back to the middle of the ice. He had to respect that. It's like in basketball when, you, when you're, you know, you have to give the guy a little more room because you have to respect his move one way, and then he goes to his offhand, and he beats you because you, you, you had to compensate for the fact that he's so good going one way. You know what I mean? So Patrick Kane does make that inside move a lot. I think Jacob Slavin was um, kind of, you know, cheating that way a little bit, for lack of a better term. Um, and then Patrick Kane just burned him outside. He beat him. I don't think that there was a penalty on Slavin. I don't know why they were about to call a penalty on Slavin there. 
Um, but he just is a collision with the goalie. It's just annoying to me that you can score a goal by just like there being a collision with the goalie. Like, I don't know. But you can argue whose fault that is. But at the end of the day, he is just trying to score a goal. If we're going to say that Svech wasn't guilty of anything, then you, you can't. I mean, that's then that's a goal. And you have to be fine with that being a goal. Or else you have to be fine with them calling a penalty on Svech. And then you have to say that they should have called a penalty on Kane there. So, but either way, they were going to call a penalty on Jacob Slavin. So if the puck goes in because of the contact, you've by default said it's because of Jacob Slavin was the con- the reason for the contact. But anyway, I didn't think that that, I thought that that was the right call. I just think that that's an, I hate when that happens. Like, I think that that's just a, a annoying part of the game when a goal gets scored just because the goalie literally got run into by whoever. Like, I just think that that's annoying that, that there can be plays where the goalie has no chance to score, but that's just, it is what it is. Like, that's just part of the game. There's nothing you can do about it. I just think that it's like, ugh, it's just such a fluky goal to go in because the goalie literally had no shot because he got run into. But whatever, guys make the saves all the time. So you got to, I mean, it's a skill to learn. You got to be ready to get run into like a catcher in baseball uh, holding down the plate. So uh, all in all, really, in that game, uh, I didn't think Reimer was bad at all. I know that a lot of goals got scored. I didn't really think they were his fault, though. Um, you know, I don't think it, he played like out of his mind by any means, but I think that he was fine. Like, I don't think, I don't, and Ned is uh, is not going to get the start. Reimer's getting the start against uh, Columbus as I record this. So the last game you'll have watched, uh, Rhymes gets the start. And I don't know how he played yet. I'll comment on that later in the episode. But I would bet that uh, Nadelkovic goes back and then goes into the net for the first time um, tonight as this comes out against Columbus in the back-to-back. I would just assume so. It's going to get hard to keep riding Reimer into the ground, especially since it seems like Peter Morozik is out for a, a period of time anyway. You have to play Ned. And they're not going to play Reimer for a month straight, you know? That would be stupid. Uh, and then you'd have to ride Morozik when he does get back. And guess what? He's going to have some catching up to do. So I don't know that that's going to work out too well. Um, so I hope for the best for Ned and Net, but I have my concerns. Uh, and I definitely don't agree with the people that are like, I don't understand why you're not just playing him. Like, I do understand. I think that, they, I don't think that he's proven that he's ready for it yet. And it's unfortunate that, like, we just have to, throw him in like he's kind of just getting thrown into the fire because of an injury I'm sure that he doesn't mind it I'm sure that he's relishing the opportunity to play uh, and I hope that he runs with it but I am nervous about it and I I do agree with uh, mitigating the risk of playing him as much as possible I don't really care what anyone else's opinion is on Ned like if you if you were just saying that he's gonna do great like you're miss you're miss you're misguided um I think he can but where have you seen it in the AHL cool it doesn't matter it does not matter at all. Think of how many great AHL players never made it to the NHL. There's a lot. There's a laundry list of them. You know, a few of them has been, have been on the Hurricanes roster. I mean, think of all those guys that, you know, killed it at the AHL level, came up and never were anything. So, uh, you know, I just, it makes me nervous. And I think that that is the logical thought process. I really don't understand all the people just being like, oh, just play Ned, play him right now. Like, play him, play him, give him, give him a shot. Like, dude, if you don't have to, I wouldn't. I get that you're going to have to give him, get him in at some point, but Reimer right now is the one, and Ned is the two. It's not, it's not the 1A, 1B with this group. It is, it is firmly a one and two. And so you start your one as much as you can. The two comes in as needed to give the one a break. It's not a rotation. And it's not going to be unless Ned plays out of his mind for a few games. I also don't want to hear after one great game that he's the greatest goalie in the world. Like, give it time to make the judgment. 
Like maybe I'm not, cause I'm not even saying like, I'm not saying Ned's bad. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is that we don't have enough of a sample size to even make the judgment call. Like it seems absurd to watch a guy play like four NHL games and say whether he's ready or not. What has he seen? Like, you know, 80 shots, a hundred shots. That's you're, you're willing to make your judgment call off that. That just seems absurd to me. It seems like wishful thinking. And I think that's what a lot of people do with prospects and it's fine. Like I understand it, but like, it's not logical. So, you know, don't argue it. It's not logical. You could just say like, I want this to be, that's fine. I think we all want Ned to do really well. Cause we've, he's been around for so long. We feel like he's due a shot. Like, sure. He is due a shot, but he kind of got it a little bit last season and he kind of didn't impress. He kind of got beat out by Anton Forsberg, you know? So I don't know. He was a backup to a backup's backup last year. So that's what I'm going off of. All I have is that. I'm not saying that he can't be better than that. I'm just saying that that's what he's been so far. So I'm not thrilled to just throw him in and be like, yeah, go start. Unless we have to. I think the team's taking the right approach about it. I also think that historically the team has made the right approach about goalies, you know, who starts in net every night. I've questioned them a lot of times on that. And I've always been wrong. Like they're they're always right about it. They I just think that Rod and his his goalie coaches and whatnot have a real good feel for that for the rotation and how it should be, and good on them. So that's that. Um, I guess the only things left to talk about are this game tonight, so um, I'm probably going to just take a quick break here. Uh, When I get back at, like, you know, freaking 10 p.m. tonight, or whenever this game ends, I can can record a little bit about the, the Columbus game, and then maybe we can preview tonight's game as this comes out. So quick break. I'll see you on the other side, my friends. And, uh, yeah. All right. I am back, and Canes uh, get a win, eh? Canes get a W against the Columbus Blue Jackets. That Super Bowl was, uh, was I Want anything special? Kansas City, like, couldn't do anything, man. Patrick Mahomes probably got hit, like, 47 times. He looked like he was about to walk out there with a, with a new knee or something. Did you see the fan that ran on the field? That was the greatest moment of the game. And the fact that the cameras didn't show it, that's a bummer, dude. Show the guy running on the field. How is that not the most interesting thing that happened? How, like, how is that not what we're showing? Anyway, Canes, I, I felt like played better. They played good for stretches. I actually want to, real quick, for the first time myself, I want to go look at the um, analytics here, and then I want to talk about that offside, whatever, whatever that was, because it was very, very interesting. Um... Just real quick, going off of feel for how I thought the game was, I thought that it was a relatively even first period. Um, I don't know. Maybe slight edge to the Blue Jackets? I don't know. Close, I guess. But uh, pretty pretty even-ish. Canes didn't look great, but they didn't look terrible. They, they definitely picked it up in stretches. Uh, second period, I thought it looked good for the Canes. It was, again, a little bit of back and forth, but when the Hurricanes were on, it felt like they were dominant. Um, for a few stretches during that period. And the third, um, not quite to the extent of the second, but uh, it felt like the Canes dominated portions of the third. Uh, and then, you know, the Blue Jackets dominated portions as well. So let's look at the uh, let's look at the possession. So first of all, the Hurricanes actually had 62.86% Corsi percentage in that one in the entire game. 44% in the first, so... I guess slight edge to Columbus in terms of five on five uh, possession, kind of, and then uh, 
75% for the Canes in the second, 58% in the third. So, yeah, that's kind of in line with what we expected. Um, if you look at the high danger chances, Hurricanes forced eight, gave up five. It's good. Um, I don't know about five for Columbus. Uh, then they capitalized on every single one. Expected goals, Canes put up 2.03. This is a little low. 1.05 is all they gave up. So um, that would that would insinuate that we gave up a few weak goals is what it seems like those numbers are pointing toward, um, which I'll talk about Reimer as well. But when you look at the you look at the power play, um, Delta Hurricanes. Let's see how many high danger chances that. Yeah, Delta Hurricanes had a had a good penalty kill, um, but still, Columbus was able to um, get that power play goal with a line A goal. Patrick Line A's shot is just insane. Um, you know, it is what it is on that one. I want to talk about that offsides though. Offsides, I said. I hate that. It's actually offside. There's only one side you can be off. It's a hundred percent offside. Uh, I've seen the pictures, but first of all, the picture that keeps getting circulated around, the puck's already over the line, first of all. There's two things with this picture. First of all, it was taken on a fucking potato because the resolution is horrible. To to draw a conclusion from a picture that is on, like, 300-pixel image is fucking stupid. You can't see... You cannot see exactly where the edge of the skate blade is across the ice with a picture of that resolution. Stupid. Um, the puck's also already in the offensive zone. So how about show me a picture when the puck hasn't crossed, and then we can determine if the guy was in first. Kind of hard to determine if a guy's in first. I thought it was close, like when I watched the video, which they didn't seem to really look at it for that long. When I watched the video, um, I thought it was definitely a close play, but my gut was just like, it's not close enough. Like, it's it's too close. Just, it's fine. Let it go. Yeah. If you've if you've listened though, you've heard me say this before. I hate the offside reviews. I hate them so much. I think it's the dumbest thing ever that we are analyzing a guy's skate being, you know, a millimeter in front of or behind. I mean, it should be used for like egregious. You know, it should be used when a guy's like a foot into the zone and the and the linesman didn't call it. That's what that should be used for. When we, we sit here and, I mean, there are people who, the video coaches are getting paid to, you know, watch the play and and see these guys that they're, I mean, thank God it's not like a foot over the line anymore because that was ridiculous. But now we're having to judge like, you know, a toe, a toe of a skate, like barely behind or in front of the line. Like, it's stupid. It's really stupid. It didn't impact the play whatsoever. It did not give them any kind of unfair advantage. It was so close that they didn't call it. And then what the league did when they... I also didn't catch... I was I was getting ready to go to a, uh, a friend's house. So I didn't even see the very beginning of the third period. Like I, I, I walked in, I don't know, a minute after. And I thought to myself, I thought we were supposed to be on the power play. And I didn't really think anything else of it. I thought maybe I thought... Maybe I... Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it expired before. I don't know. I wasn't paying attention, I guess. Um, but then I hear that they came back and they said, actually, we messed that call up. It should have been offside. But we can't change it now. <laughs> and so we're just going to take away the penalty, which is just like a joke, dude. The NHL officiating 
It's so frustrating. It literally makes me hate the sport sometimes. How inefficient they are with officiating and, and the rules. and It's just so stupid. It makes no sense so much of it. Yeah, I'd be pissed off about that if I was a Columbus fan, but I also will say that you can't say, you can't say how that would change the game because it's a different game. The Canes also were still up to, like, they also scored their goal when they pulled their goalie, which you don't do at a certain time if you're not down by a certain amount. You know what I mean? I just, I don't know how it affects the rest of the game. All I know is it definitely didn't affect that play at all. And it's stupid that we look at that. And whether or not that play, and honestly, the looks I got from it, I couldn't tell definitively if it was offside or not. I've seen this picture. I think it's a bullshit picture. I don't think you can even see. If you if you, if you you can zoom in on that picture and see where Brett Pesci's skate blade is, good for you. Uh, but you got some, like, you know, Hollywood CIA enhanced type technology where it just all of a sudden gets much clearer than it is. Because it is not clear in that picture. Not even close. Um, anyway, the Hurricanes picked up the win. That's what matters. Uh, James Reimer tonight was okay. He was not great. He wasn't terrible, but, uh, I thought a couple of goals got by him that, you know, I, uh, I would like to see saved. I thought, um, well, whoever they thought scored the Felino goal at first, or I guess, no, no, he did score. I thought that one, he should have had that one. Uh, there was, there was just a couple of attempts that were like, from the outside of the circles or or from areas where he had a clean look at it, there was that short side goal. I think that was the Felino one, actually, um, where, you know, I just, I feel like he should have had a few more than he did. Um, looking at the goaltending, I mean, his save percentage was not good, obviously. He didn't face that many shots. He only faced 15 shots, and uh, that's at 5-on-5. Five five. So at 5-on-5, five five, he faced 15 shots, 12 saves. Um... He really let in five goals, so 17. Or mm, Did they have any power play shots? I don't think so, actually. But I guess they had one. Whatever. One or two. So he probably faced, what, 19 shots? Save percentage is not good. Um, and he had three high-danger shots against. He saved two of them. Let up one goal, uh, which is good, I think. Medium-danger. Five shots against, four saves, so he let in one medium danger goal. And low danger, that's the one. That's the one we can't have. Low danger, shots against six, saves five. He let that one in. Um, you know, average goal distance, 50.33. Seems far. <laughs> I just didn't I didn't like it. I didn't like his, his complete game tonight. I didn't think he was bad, but I thought that, you know, Reimer sometimes plays deep, which is good when he's on because he's steady and he's not as reactive and kind of all over the place and he stays in the goal and he stays positionally sound but when you're deep a good shooter is going to beat you a lot and I think we saw that a few times tonight or this afternoon yesterday afternoon as this comes out um you know I didn't I wasn't I wasn't impressed by James Reimer's performance I also wasn't ultra impressed by the defense's performance thought that they uh they they made a lot of turnovers that were stupid um you know there were some miscommunications it looked like at one point there was that two-on-one where uh I think it was a it looked to me like a pinch that was fine to pinch but the Ford wasn't paying attention I don't remember whether it was Svechnikov or Aho or McGinn or who it was that should have been the high Ford but one of them needed to hang back and they did not and so when when that happens bad things happen because if you don't score bad things happen 
But let's talk about positives. I, I The Hurricanes' um, defense got involved in the offense tonight, and I think it's really been the first game I can point to where I could say that that's been a, a definite noticeable factor. And the Hurricanes, for the way they have to play, like if we're going to talk about what their identity is, uh, I struggle to really pinpoint it because I think it's always changing. Like in 2018-19, it was a definite identity, right? And it was strong forecheck. It was, you know, strict defensive play. It was grind you to death and possession, possession, possession. That's what it was. Um, Last year, it was less of that. I think it was more focused on defense that, you know, joins the rush, speed, and uh, a little bit of up and down at times, but still trying to get to that four-checking game. But I don't know that they ever really did because I don't know that they were built to. This year, I think it's been a combination of the two. Um, they've gone up and down a bit, but I think they've been much more structurally sound. The defense has been better. Goaltending's been good. Um, and they have gotten a little bit back to that forecheck more. And tonight I thought it was evident in, in stretches. Like when they, those dominant stretches I was talking about, like in the second period, I thought their forecheck looked really good. Um, and I think that has so much to do with the defense choosing the right time to jump in and being confident, uh, and having that communication where the forwards can hang back because, if you're going to hold the puck in someone's zone for an extended period of time, like a minute plus, that is you you will not be able to do that without the defense pinching and causing trouble for, you know, the opposing defense. Because when that puck, you know, jumps up to like the half boards area and your defenseman pinches, now it becomes an, you know, an outnumbered situation because it's 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 one guy fighting another it's it's their defenseman fighting our forward for the puck and then it pops out and then our defenseman is now in the play and the goal is for a forward on the other side of the ice to rotate up and kind of cover that but when you're doing that um you know adequately and and aggressively it's it's hard to get the puck out like it it, but you will give up more odd man rushes um if there's any mistake like it's gonna be it's gonna hurt so it's a balancing act between those i thought brett pesci though was really good tonight i'm still looking for dougie hamilton's game to improve, but I want to give him more time before, you know, we jump on that. But uh, he needs to find it a little bit. Slavin looked better, I think, than uh, than he did last game, or the last two games, I guess. But still not quite the Jacob Slavin that we remember from the, you know, a couple weeks ago. Uh, I think he's still, I think he's still coming back to it. Teravainen, same thing. Not quite there yet, I don't think. Um, although I don't think he had a bad game tonight. I just, I just think he, he, you know, missed some plays that he would not normally miss. Um, flurry. I don't think flurry has been great lately. Uh, he's been subpar to me, um, in, you know, the first, the last, I mean this season really, like, I think he had a couple good games against Detroit and then from there it was okay or not great. I don't think he's had great games. Like I don't. This is why I've you know everyone wanted to say, oh Hayden Fleury is the answer. Like I'm not convinced just yet. I want him to be. Clearly he can be because we've seen it. But it has to happen for large stretches, and he hasn't been able to do it yet. So hopefully he can. Um, but I think he's struggled a little bit. He struggled tonight. He had that really bad turnover that easily could have ended up in a goal against. Uh, he wasn't fantastic, but he was he was adequate, and that's you know. He's a third-pairing defenseman right now. I think he's doing all right. But uh, I don't think that he's, like, you know, above and beyond. He's he's still a sixth guy right now. 
Um, and hey, you need that sixth guy. But I think he can give more. So we'll see if he can get back to the Hayden Flurry we saw, you know, at the end of last season in the playoffs, all that sort of stuff. After after Dougie went down, really, is when Hayden stepped up and, and started playing better. Um, but the good news is that that first line still looks good. Uh, Aho, Svechnikov, and McGinn. I think McGinn's been so good lately. Like, I don't think we talk about enough. Um, Brock McGinn can play up, man. He really can. I know that everyone gives him shit for, you know, not being able to finish as much, but, like, he can. I'm telling you. He doesn't quite... He doesn't, you know, it's 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 hard to finish every play that Aho or Svechnikov is setting you up for um, because it's happening fast and, like, it takes an elite amount of skill to be able to do that consistently. But he's been doing a pretty damn good job these last few games. Um, and when you look back at Brock, his tools, like, I mean, when he was drafted, like, my man was a offensive weapon. He wasn't, it wasn't like he was drafted as a grinder. Like, he, he was a goal scorer. Um, so he has it in him. And clearly, you can see that. Like, he can score goals. I mean, you've seen, I feel like we've seen a lot of instances of that throughout his career. Like, he, you know, he, he streaks down the ice and he snipes one. Like, it's not happening every day, but like, he's got the ability to score goals. I like Brock McGinn. Um, I think he's earning that contract. I really do, especially if he continues to play with this, um, you know, these guys. He's kind of filling the role that I thought maybe Jesper Faust could um, if needed to. Um, how we saw him play up last year with New York's first line. Uh, Brock's doing that right now after all the after everyone being out and looking for some balance in the lineup. Um, and now with Natchez out, like I think we'll continue to to see that as they try to balance the middle six. And we'll see what happens. That that's going to be a day to day thing. I don't expect them tonight though. Uh, definitely not. So maybe later in the week we will see. Concussion stuff is is weird, and I would assume that's what's going on. Um, is they're kind of feeling out how he feels, and uh, it's going to change day to day. So I think they're going to need a couple days in a row where he feels okay and can skate first before he gets back in. So I would say at least a week before we see him back in. Um, you know, I think everybody's been okay offense-wise. Uh, I mean, they put in six goals tonight. I'm fine with that. <laughs> uh, you know, Dougie gets the goal. I didn't think he looked phenomenal, but I thought he looked better. He looked he looked uh, more poised offensively. I'm looking for that defensive game to get back to what it was last year, though. That's what made him so dangerous. Um, but hey, you'll take the win. Let's take a quick look at the standings right now. Let's take a look at the standings. Um, Central Division, Lightning are 7-1-1. One, and one. Hurricanes 7-2. and two. Panthers 6-1-2. and two. So 14 points for both the Panthers and the Canes. Lightning, one point ahead, all with nine games played. Everyone else has played 13. Around, uh, well, okay, so... The Blackhawks and the Blue Jackets have played 13. Uh, Blackhawks have 14 points tied with the Hurricanes with four more games played. So uh, not quite, not quite there. Um, and the Blue Jackets have 13 points in 13 games. So to, it, once those games even out, the Hurricanes have a pretty substantial lead on those guys. Um, the Stars have 12 points in nine games, so they're right there. Really the top four, if you look at points percentage, is going to be the Lightning, Hurricanes, Panthers, Stars. And that's kind of what we thought it would be, right? Predators right now, 10 points in 11 games, not looking great. Red Wings are being the Red Wings. They have 8 points in 13 games. Um, so this this division is turning out to what we thought it would be, I think. I, I mean, we talked about the Panthers as a wild card. Um, I think a lot of people counted them out just because last season. I always said I didn't know what to think of the Panthers, and 
now we can see they're kind of putting it together. Uh, you know, Joel Quinville's there. Good things can happen when you have a good roster and good coaching, and uh, you give it a little bit of time. So they're going to be tough. I'm looking forward to the first matchup. Uh, the Hurricanes are going to need to win. The Hurricanes have done a pretty good job so far playing these teams that they're going to be battling in the standings for closely and getting points out of them. You know, stars, three points. Three points in two games. Um, or sorry, <laughs> four points in two games. Uh, Lightning, two points in one game. Uh, and the Predators, you know, they're not really battling right now, but they could be a team that does so. They've got 10 points, and they've got two games in hand on Columbus, so if they win both those, they're right back in the mix for that fourth spot. Um, you know, it's uh, it's not as bad of a division as people think, I think, you know? And you look at the East, and sometimes I think maybe it's not as good of a division as people think. Like, I think the Islanders are maybe taking a step back from where they have been the last few years. The Flyers, like, you know, they they sometimes look amazing. They sometimes look okay, like... I want to see if they can hang with the top of the end of that division, but Hurricanes have it easier in the Central for sure. But uh, the Lightning and the Panthers look really good. The Stars, of course, we know are good. Um, and you know the Blackhawks, the Blue Jackets, and the Predators are are not easy teams to play. Like they're not they're not easy wins. You definitely have to work for every win. Um, so that's what I've seen so far. But you know, seven and two, I will take it. I'm sure we see Ned and Net tonight. I'm interested to see how that goes. I'm interested to see if there's any, you know, lineup changes. I don't think there will be. Um, I want to see, you know, I need to. We need to get back to the goaltending we had the rest of the season. Really, I think this is the only game where I can point to where I'm like, mm, I didn't really like the goaltending performance tonight. Like it, it, you know, we let in five goals, but it, three were acceptable like three I could pin on someone else two of them were like eh, I mean I don't like the situation but like you need to make that save um and he did that at times Reimer did but he you know you can't let in low danger chances that ain't gonna that ain't gonna cut it the mid danger chance I guess if you want to call the Felino one I guess is how they you know categorize that the line a shots it is what it is on a good day a goalie can maybe get to one of those but Patrick Line has gotten the lead shot it's it's kind of his main weapon, really. Um, I don't know that he offers a lot of a two-way game. So, kid's going to score goals. And uh, he got two tonight. But the Hurricanes picked up the win. It's going to be a tough one tonight against them. They're going to be ready to go. Hurricanes are going to have to be better in the neutral zone, uh, better in the defensive zone, and uh, better in between the pipes. If they can score six again, though, they might be all right. So, we'll see what happens. Um, I'm going to wrap it up. Thanks for listening. Go sign up with DraftKings, promo code THPN, win yourself some money, uh, go do those fantasy sports, all that stuff. Appreciate you. Rate, review on iTunes, all that stuff, and follow at Kane's Train Pod. I'll be back Thursday with a new episode.